Amen. Good morning. Tell you, it's, uh, it's good to be back. It, it, uh, it's been a crazy few weeks for, for our family. Uh, as most of you guys know, um, you know, we made six trips to Indiana. Uh, uh, Laurie drove up twice, flew once. I drove up twice. Leela drove up once. We also had a chance to work in a, a vacation to uh, the Cape Cod, which was a, a really beautiful place. Got to attend the ball game in Fenway Park. I think Laurie may be turning into a Red Sox fan, which is only one step from the light of being a Patriots fan, right? Uh, But the really good news is, here's a picture right here. Uh, Yesterday, you know, right there, that's my my grandson Ezra. He he left the NICU on Saturday uh, on his six-week birthday, and he's home. And uh, the party of seven at the Stevens home is well underway. Uh, And and again, it's good to be back. And I want to start off our conversation this morning uh, with what is arguably one of the most powerful passages in the entire Bible about Jesus, about who he is, and uh, about what he accomplished. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. Question, are you ready to hear some God-breathed words? Is that why you came here today? I hope so. And, and, and one more thing before I read them, like, like, like what if what I'm about to read is really true? And what if we actually believe them, right? Not just with our heads, but with our hearts. Paul writes, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And yeah, maybe that's why some things in your life are not holding together, because they're held together in him. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, dwell in Jesus, And through Jesus, through him, to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. This is the gospel. This is the good news, and it's really, really good news. Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence today. How crazy to think that everything was created by you. You know, whether, you know, whether it's the oceans or the mountains or rivers or lakes or trees or fish or animals, everybody in this room, the stars in the sky, the moon, the sun, Everything was created by you. You're so great and so powerful, and yet you allow us in your presence. And God, I pray that everything you desire to accomplish in this room happens. And God, I thank you for the uh, the young ones in this room today. And because you have told us that we have to become like little children in order to enter your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's do this. We're actually in... 
week six in our series, be, Becoming the Church that, uh, that He Intended. It, and let me be clear. When it comes to the church that we're striving to become at 3210 Prophet Road, it's, it's not what I intend, it's not what you intend, it's, it's not what our culture demands that will set our course. Instead, what's going to be our rudder, what's going to set our course is what he intends for us to be. Get it? Good. And, and so far in the series, we spent, you know, four weeks unpacking some, you know, church is statements. You know, what the Bible says the church is. And it's really important to do this because if we don't, we may end up defining the church in wrong ways and incomplete ways and incorrect ways or in self-serving, comfortable, convenient ways for us. Kind of turning his church into nothing more than an all about us and all for us Jesus club, right? And we don't want that. And according to scripture, according to the Bible, the church is Christ. The church is the called out ones. The church is the hope of the world. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the family of God. The church is the flock of God. It's the bride of Christ. It's the temple of God. And it's the promised messianic kingdom. All those messages are online. You can check them out. I would encourage you to check out what you're actually a part of. And back on June 9th, Pentecost Sunday, we talked about one of the greatest events in all of human history. The birth of the church, the second Sinai, the reversal of Babel, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the unleashing and the introduction of both the new covenant and the terms for entering the new covenant. You see, 2,000 years ago, fire fell down from heaven and a loud sound filled the temple as the apostles spoke of the wonders of God in the many different languages of the people who had gathered from all over the Mediterranean world to celebrate the feast. And then Peter stood up and told the thousands there who, whose jaws were drop, dropping and they were wondering what is going on. Peter told them, hey, here's what this means. It, it means that the gospel, that the new covenant is for all people. Holy Spirit is for all people. It's for the Jew and the Gentile. It's for the old and the young. It's for the male and it's for the female. And it means that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one of God. Peter said this, God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and 3,000 were added to their number that day. And here are the final six verses of Acts chapter 2. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's the verses we're going to unpack today in a conversation I'm calling devoted. Like, like what did these people do, right? These 3,000 people that now are making up the church, what did they do? What were they committed to? What was important to them? 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. I want to read a quote from the book, uh, Letters to the Church, which I have referenced several times, and I got two copies to give out. Would anybody like a copy? Okay, Kim wants a copy? Well, those, Steve's got you. Oh, what, did it make it? I got to throw it better. Okay, hand off. All right, hand off. Works better. All right, that's a great book, Letters to the Church. Here's what Francis Chan writes. Absent from this account is any attempt on the part of the early Christians to conjure up some sort of powerful experience. They weren't strategizing ways to get people interested. After Jesus left them to return to his father, they were gathering together to ask God to direct them and work through them. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, Acts 1, verse 14. It was in one of those gatherings that the Spirit of God descended on them and the entire church was launched as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Chan continues, no modern church growth movement would take this approach seriously. Where's the excitement? Sure, these elements are the basic building blocks, but do you really think that you can accomplish anything with just the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayer? After all, haven't we... Haven't there been many who have chased this simple approach without experiencing the all the early church felt? He says, no. You see, there's a key word in this passage that separates the attempts of our modern church from the first church, and it's the word devoted. And now that word devoted, it's a strong word that means to adhere to with, with strength. You see, this is not a, a casual, loose connection. It was a firm, strong, there's no way I'm ever letting loose of this thing, devotion. And it's also in the present tense, which means they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Who were they devoting? They were devoting themselves. You see, as much as we may, we may want to, you know, we can't devote other people, and other people can't devote us. Back to chant. And some of these quotes of what I'm reading will pop up on the screen. Hopefully that's not distracting, but some are just really powerful, like this one right here. In our impatient culture, we want to experience biblical awe without biblical devotion. At the core of our dysfunction is not necessarily style or structure, but a lack of devotion. So much of the discussion nowadays revolves around how to make the most of our Sunday morning services. If people are willing to sacrifice 90 minutes a week, should we spend that time singing, preaching, or praying? Should we meet in a large group or a small group? These are all wrong questions. Here's another one to pop up on the screen. We should be asking why Christians are willing to give only 90 minutes a week, if that, to the only thing that really matters in their lives. So leaders work tirelessly to squeeze prayer, teaching, fellowship, and communion into a 90-minute service because they believe that's all they have to work with. On the screen again, 
while we can't force people to be devoted, it may be that we have made it too easy for them not to be. By trying to keep everyone interested and excited, we've created a cheap substitute for devotion. Rather than busying themselves with countless endeavors, the early followers devoted themselves to a few and it changed the world. It seems like the church in America is constantly looking for the next new thing. We want, we want to follow the latest trends of, the, of church growth, believing there's something we are missing. Once we add one more staff position or one more program, our churches will become healthy. It's a never-ending game. Haven't we tried that long enough? They were continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And here's the deal. If we, if you, if I, leave this place today determined, like those early believers, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to be devoted to the fellowship, to be devoted to prayer, to be devoted to the breaking of bread, like if we actually did them and not thought they're really cool things to think about, but we actually, if we actually, here's what I believe, if we did what they did, we will experience what they experienced. We will experience a place where we're filled with all, and all the great and apart from God things that, that are happening around us. And the Lord will add daily to our number those who are being saved. And we'll become part of this crazy selfless community. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This is nuts. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. The early church that changed the world forever was devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking bread, and the prayer. Let's just unpack those a little bit. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. If we want to become the church and the people that he intends, we must be devoted to this book, right? We've got to be devoted to this book, to, to, to God's word. Now, this week, today, I was at, at Barnes & Noble's looking at Bibles when we were in Cape Cod and just wishing for a book with large enough print that I could hold my Bible and read, you know, because I, I just can't, you know, and, and so I have it in my notes where I can read and highlight and set it off, and, you know, it's just a, a fact of where my life is, you know, uh, and, and I have to accept that, but I take my glasses off and I'm by myself, and, you know, I, I, can, I, I can do that. I'm, I'm kind of I'm nearsighted. But, but, you know, why was God able to do such unexplainable and extraordinary things through the early church. Well, one of the reasons was they were devoted to the Word of God. And, and I'm gonna, I want to ask three questions, and, and the answers are all obvious. And, and the first one, you'll, you'll be okay with answering. It's possible that the next two, you know, uh, would make you uncomfortable. And, and, but remember, we launched this series. We said that if we're going to become the church that he intended, that we've got to be open and honest uh, about where we really are and who we really are in regards to our relationship with Jesus and to our relationship with this church, right? And whenever you're open and honest during the series, at times it will make us uncomfortable. Get it? <laughs> Good. Question number one, the easy one, right? Should a Jesus follower be devoted to the apostles' teaching? Yes or no, right? 
and, and you can answer that, okay? And, and this was pretty easy too, kind of. Is it possible to be devoted to the apostles' teaching if you rarely read the Bible? Yes or no? I would lean towards no. Okay? And, and here's one for you personally, right? You know? And there's no one looking over your shoulder but God. <laughs> you know, are you? Would God say, you know what? Steve Malone, Woody, man, or, or you, you know, or you, or you. They are so devoted. When I think about them, I think about someone who's devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, now, now first, I, for that question there, I was going to do like a little scale thing, right? You know, a little one through five, right? We like those, you know, well, you know, we're not all the way. But then I thought, you know what? It's, you're either devoted or you're not, right? Like, you're either pregnant or you're not, right? You know, say, well, I'm, I'm on scale of being pregnant, I'm a two. No, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. We're either devoted to the apostles' teaching or we're, or we're not. Here's a survey about how much people read the Bible. Um, and that's where devotion begins, certainly not where it ends. But uh, you can see right there, 26% four more times per week. 19% once or a few times per week, usually at church. Uh, 26% once or a few times a month. Uh, 29% rarely four times a year, or not at all. So according to that, 74% of Christians in that survey are not devoted to the apostles' teaching. And if we took that survey right now and we were honest, I wonder how we do. Well, would, our, would, our, would our odds be better? You know, and, and parents with your kids in here, you know, one of the things they're, they're circling is, is you know, New Testament books. All of them, the first and second are combined. You know, maybe you go home today and you say, hey, you know, uh, you know what my favorite gospel is? It's Mark. And here's one of my favorite passages. And, and you know what? One of my favorite passages in, in the book of uh, Romans is, is this. And, and you, you share with them some of your favorite verses in the Bible. Now, if you've been around here for a while, you may have heard something called faith comes from hearing. And, and, you know, FCFH. It's based on Romans 10, 17 that says faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of God. It's something we've been doing around here since October the 24th, 2011. And we started, I said, you know what, we're going to keep doing this. And all, it's, all it is, is a Bible reading plan. Monday through Saturday, we read a chapter a day. Sunday is your catch-up day and reflect. That's all it is. Because sometimes people don't know what to read. It's kind of cool when we're all reading the same thing. It's not the only thing that works for reading the Bible, but just something we've been doing. And I said we'll be doing it toward the Lord returns. And so far we're on track. We're, keep, we're, we're still doing it. Uh, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because it's God's word. Look what Paul says in Thessalonians. We also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. God's word works in us, right? It does a working us. Now, I'm going to read some scripture so that maybe, maybe you've heard them before. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here's the next verse. Maybe you've heard this one. 
For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Isaiah, for just as the rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I sent it to do. I'm pretty sure most of us heard those verses a few times. But do we believe them? Like, do we actually believe that, that this book was breathed by God? Do we actually believe that, that this book is alive and active? Do we actually believe that, that this book can thoroughly equip anybody in this room, thoroughly equip anybody in this room for the good work that God has for them to do? Do we really believe that, that this book will prosper what God sends it to do? Listen, if we really believe that this book was that powerful, not only would we read it, but we would read it expecting it to take on a life of its own so that it can accomplish all that God desires. Understand, we hold in our hands. I hold in my hand, you have in your phone, you know, one of the most powerful agents of change. You hold in your hand, on your phone, I'm serious. One of the most powerful agents of change in the entire world. Amen? There's a really smart guy named N.T. Wright. I'm not sure what N.T. stands for. It's not New Testament, right? Um, uh, he wrote a book called Simply Christian. It's, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis is, is a great book, Mere Christianity. Great book to give someone with a logical mind. You know, the, the modern mind, postmodern mind, maybe it's N.T. Wright. And, and, and I want to read a quote. It's kind of long. Um, it's beyond the screen, but here's what he says about the Bible. Tragically, the history of Christianity is littered with ways of reading the Bible, which have, in effect, muzzled it. The computer I'm writing on now will do a thousand things, but I use it only for writing and for access to the Internet and email. In the same way, many Christians, whole generations of them, Sometimes even entire denominations have in their possession a book which will do a thousand things, not only in them and for them, but through them in the world, and they use it only to sustain the three or four things they already do. They treat it as a form of verbal wallpaper, pleasant enough in the background, but you stop thinking about it once you lived in the house a few weeks. It really doesn't matter that I don't exploit more than a small amount of my computer's capability, but to be a Christian... While not letting the Bible do all the things it is capable of through you and in you is like trying to play the piano with your fingers tied together. Equipped for every good work. There's the point. The Bible is breathed out by God so that it can fashion and form God's people to do his work in the world. In other words, the Bible isn't simply to be an accurate reference point for people who want to look things up and be sure they got them right. It is there to equip God's people to carry forward his purposes of new covenant and new creation. It's good stuff. It is there for people to work for justice, to sustain their spirituality, and as they do so, to create and enhance relationships at every level and to produce that new creation with, 
which will have about it something of the beauty of God himself. The Bible isn't like an accurate description of how a car is made. It's more like the mechanic who helps you fix it, the garage attendant who refuels it, and the guide who tells you how to get where you're going. And where you're going is to make God's new creation happen in his world, not simply to find your own way unscathed through the old creation. The Bible isn't simply a repository of true information about God, Jesus, and hope of the world. It is rather part of the means by which, in the power of the Spirit, the living God rescues his people and his world and takes them forward on a journey towards his new creation and makes us agents of that new creation even as we travel. Picking it up, you need to remind yourself that you hold in your hands not only the most famous book in the world, but one, with, one which has the extraordinary power to change lives, to change the world. It's done it before it can do it again. And, and, and here, here's what I want you to know about the grove. We are devoting ourselves to this book, to the apostles' teaching. This book is our highest authority. We're going to let this book challenge us, comfort us, and convict us, encourage us. Uh, this book is over us, not under us. It will be our map and our guide. It'll be our teacher. It will be our corrector. And listen, as long as I stand up here as your pastor and as your teacher, I intend on lifting up the Bible as the highest and ultimate authority in our lives, both individually and collectively. We're going to, be, we're going to strive to be a church built on God's word. Hope that's okay. <laughs> Remember, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. Now, don't misunderstand me. We will all follow God's word imperfectly, right? I mean, we're all going to run off the road from time to time. So we're going to need each other to help each other, to encourage each other. But here's the bottom never-changing line. Our commitment is that we're going to allow God's word to guide us, direct us, to challenge us, and to transform us. In Acts chapter 2, the church explodes on the day of Pentecost. As Peter preached the word of God, as 3,000 were added on that day, and as God added to their number daily, and part of the reason that happened was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Question, what do you intend to do to increase your devotion level? Can you do anything? If you're not reading the Bible, are you going to start? You know, you, you could pick up, you go online on our website, we got these little sheets out there, faith comes from hearing, here's a chapter, Right? You could do that. We have two Bible studies that meet on Sunday mornings, right? If you're a student, we have breakfast club Bible studies and youth group. The ladies got all kinds of craziness going on all the time, right? You say Bible study to the ladies, that's like saying steak to a guy, right? You know, it's just crazy, you know? And maybe our men's group, we just serve steak and we'll get a lot more guys to show up, right? Uh, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> 
The elders have D groups. If you say, hey, you know what, I want to meet with one of the elders in a group where we're just studying God's word and studying how to be a better Christian, hey, sign up your connection card. Say, hey, you know what, I want to be part of a group like that. I want to be a part of a group like that. I do something on the second and fourth um, Thursday called 2215. I like numbers and name things, weird things, right? It's based on 2 Timothy 2.15, where Paul says to Timothy and to us, do your best. Have you ever done your best in anything? In soccer or Little League, right? Learning how to drive, being a husband, right? Whatever, you know, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. We do that on the second and fourth Thursday. We've been surveying the Bible. We did the Old Testament. Those in there, and they know all the period Old Testament history. They know how the Old Testament books are divided. They have a 60-page syllabus on the Old Testament, right? Uh, uh, we, we surveyed the gospel in the book of Acts last time. Um, they're all online on our Facebook Live. You can check them out, except the last class because I had little faith, and I'm thinking no one's showing up. I'm not even going to make I only made like six copies, and I walk out the door, and people who had just visited church are like, hey, we're here for the Bible study. And I'm like, what Bible study? I said, they're all ladies. I'm like, you looking for some ladies' Bible study? They said, no, we were in church, and you said you're going to have a Bible study tonight. They go, yeah, we are. It's down at the youth center, and I had to run up and make more copies. So that one's not online, but it's just a survey of the Bible. We're just going to dig down twice a month, right? I know we're all busy. That's why I chose the twice a month. You know, the, the second Thursday in July, we're going to survey the books of Paul in 90 minutes. We start at 6.30, we're done at 8. You know, it's a fire hose, but you go home with a syllabus that you can look at and learn more about it, all right? So what are you going to do uh, to be devoted? Unless you think you don't need to be, uh, which is, uh, I don't have much to say about that. Uh, <laughs> I'll be nice. And here's what I found about this series. We're going to jump to prayer and Next week, we're going to talk about devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread, because I don't have enough time, and i got candy bars to pass out. And one thing I want to say, we did this Family Sunday. These kids sit in here so stinking good. You guys do an awesome job. And, and, and go home, right, and ask your mom and dad, because they ask you, right, when you get to, when did you learn in children's church, right? And you're like, about Jesus, right? Well, Go home today, kids, and say, hey, mom, dad, what, what do they talk about in church today? Ask them. Test them. <laughs> test them, little ones, young Padawans. All right. I, I want to talk about being devoted to prayer because the only church was devoted to prayer. And they prayed before the church was born. Acts chapter 4, they, they prayed so hard that that, we, that they could have strength and boldness, right? You know, like sometimes when, you know, like when they were facing persecution, you'd think they'd be praying for, please keep them safe. Keep Peter and John safe while they're in jail. They didn't pray for that. You know what they pray for? Help them to be bold. Help them to be strong. Help them not to give in. Help them to continue to show Christ and reflect Christ no matter what they're going through. And sometimes, I really think that's the best prayer we can pray for people, right? Going through a hard time, right? Yeah, we want to pray for them to get well, but ultimately, hey, help them to show Christ in this time. Help them to use this as an opportunity to show that God is good even when things are bad, 
right? Because he is, right? He's with us not just on the mountaintop, he's with us in the valley. Stephen prayed while they were stoning him. Cornelius prayed and God sent the gospel to him. Paul and Silas prayed and, and, and prison doors were open and chains were loosened. Uh, they prayed when they needed to make a decision. Uh, they prayed when they faced persecution. And they prayed just to make sure they were connected to God. And, and now, why were they devoted to prayer? You know, and you're going to find our core values, interestingly enough, our number one core value of a church is we honor biblical authority. Devoted to the apostles' teaching. Our second core value, we depend on God. That, one of the best ways to do that is to pray, right? Well, the only church prayed because they were convinced of a couple things. Number one, they were convinced that prayer, brings them, that prayer brought them into the throne room of God. Like the one who like, created everything. The one who was and is and is to come. Hebrews 4, 19 says this, 4, 16 rather. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I mean, through prayer, we have direct access to the creator of the universe. They're also convinced that prayer connected them to the power of God. What can prayer do? Anything that God can do, right? James says this, the prayer of a righteous man is what? Powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. I love how he says that, right? Because we're like, well, I'm not Elijah. I mean, he was a prophet of God, right? He had that chariot ride. I mean, I've seen a chariot when I watched Ben-Hur when I was a kid, right? Whatever. And, and, and uh, he was a man just like us. Just like you. Just like everybody in this room. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Moses prayed, and the waters parted. Uh, Joshua prayed one time, and the sun actually stood still in the sky. He's in a battle. He says, you know what, God? I'm, I'm whooping up on my enemy, but it's getting dark. But could you kind of extend the day just a little bit? And God make the sun stand still in the sky. And David prayed and the giant fell. Esther prayed and the nation was saved from genocide. Daniel prayed and mouths of hungry lions were shut. They're also convinced that, that without prayer, they would fail to receive all that God wanted them to receive. James says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. See, here's the deal. Here's the truth. There are things we will never have individually and collectively. There are ways that God will never move in and through us. There are giants that will never fall, seas that will never part, Victories that will never be realized, lost people that will never be found, trials that will never be overcome, captives that will never be set free, broken hearts that never will be mended, sicknesses that will never be healed, relationships that will never be restored, all because we never asked God. I'm going to do something right now that's exciting. I got a pair of scissors in my hand. I'm doing haircuts. No, kidding. (laughs) 
I'm going to trust the Holy I'm going to pray that God allows me to cut your hair with my eyes closed. I need a volunteer. No, kidding. Kidding. No, this is really cool. This is really cool. See what I have one here? I have this bracelet. And I've been waiting to cut it off. It's the Nikki bracelet. And I put it on. And I said, I'm not cutting this sucker off until my grandson goes home. And, 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 and here's the deal. I know prayers were answered. I was putting on Facebook. I was texting people. And, 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 and you know, sometimes we pray and things happen medically. We're like, well, I guess, that's, I guess they weren't that sick. <laughs> no, I'm convinced God moved. You know, I, I, I'm convinced that when, when my daughter had that kidney stone, amongst other things, that was nine millimeters, that's a big kidney stone. And then when the doctor came in after she had her surgery and told me, you know, that's a big, that's a big, uh, I won't say what he said. He said, that's a big kidney stone. He said, I never saw one crumble like that one did, right? That's God, right? That's because we pray and God hears our prayer, Right? You know, when, when, when he was having trouble breathing, he's on the vent, and his pulse kept going down where they had to put the bag on the vent to force air into his lungs, right? We send out, I, you know, people were praying and praying. A lot of you guys prayed, and, and guess what? They stopped having the bag in. Now, we could say, well, I guess he just got, but no, right? That's God. That's God moving. And when they're saying, when they took the rods out of his, out of his fa- face the other day, and they're saying, wow, we really never see things heal that quickly. Guess what? That is God. See, God answers our prayers, right? Not always in the ways that we want. You know, sometimes it's yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, say what? (laughs) That's crazy. What are you asking for? You know, but God does answer our prayers. And we're trying to make prayer a bigger part of our church. And here's some ways you can help. You know, like from 9.35 to 9.50 every Sunday, some people just walk over this room through this building and just pray that for the Holy Spirit to be present. You know, I would challenge you once a week, once a week, once a month, do that. Bring your kids with you, right? Bring your kids with you and you're just, because every chair is prayed over, the doorways are prayed over. Because God knows who's sitting where, who needs to hear what, right? And so I would just challenge you to do that. Right, say, so, you know what, you know, once a month, come in during that time. And there, there's no, like, or, no exactly start time. Sometimes I'm late, i got to be honest, right? You know, but you just come in here on your own, and you start praying. You know, that God would be present, that we feel that he's here, that whoever's sitting in this chair, God, you know what they need to hear. I pray that they hear it today. Help people to connect to you. Okay, and there'll be a lot, we're doing a lots of different, you've seen us doing different things in prayer service, right? Or we're praying over people, we're praying over Kangas, we're praying people of missionary, we prayed over our moms. And, and, and what I like to do here, you know, is you don't have to, you know, but if you have a prayer need, you know, you know, if you would stand up and I, and I want to pray for you, I don't need to know what it is, God does, but you know, if your life is perfect and nothing's going wrong and everything's great in every relationship and you couldn't have anything better, but if you have a legitimate need that you're like, wow, you know what? I'm hurting right now. I'm kind of struggling. You know, if you would just stand. And, and, and I'm standing because you know, I have a prayer need. And I'll, I'll tell you my prayer need. My prayer need is to learn to trust God that he will build his church, not me. 
because uh, I struggle with that each day, every week, and, and, and I, I want to, I think he can handle it more than me, but I struggle with that. So that's my prayer need, and I'm standing up. Anybody else have a prayer need out there? Just stand up. You, need to, you, need to, you don't need to say what it is, and, and then, you know, and if you, once everybody has stood, you know, let's, if you're not, it's like a lot of prayer needs out there. And so, if, you're, if everyone would just stand up and put your hand on somebody, even if you're asking for prayer, I'm, I'm, and I'm just going to pray for everybody in this room right now. We're going to trust God. Just let, let's reach out to our, our, our God. Heavenly Father, we, we, we thank you for this opportunity, God. And we know we're not just in a room right now. We know because of the blood of Jesus that, that we have entered your throne room. And Heavenly Father, right now, I pray for every need in this room. I, I pray for the people, God, who are, are struggling in a relationship right now. And God, they, they want to see that relationship restored and it's broken. God, give them, give them peace and God, give them wisdom. Give them patience, God. God, I pray, for, I pray for people who are just struggling. They have a, a big decision to make, Lord, and they're not sure which way to turn. I, I pray for those who are just are concerned about a loved one, God. A loved one maybe who's wandered away from you. God, I pray for those who, you know, their, their loved one, God, is not here, God. They, they've been deployed. They're overseas, and, God, they feel overwhelmed. I pray for those who are just frustrated, God, that nothing seems to be working in their life, God, that everywhere they turn, everything they try just doesn't seem to work. God, I, I pray for the person who just wants you to be more real. God, they... They reach out for you and they need you, God, but sometimes it seems like they can't find you. I pray that they find you. And Father God, I, I just pray, Lord, that, that, you would, that you would heal broken hearts right now, God, that, that those who are looking, that need joy, will know that, that joy is found in you and that you love them, that you care about them. And Father, I pray that you will help us become a body that, that leans on you. God, we cannot do this without you. And God, we cannot do without the people right now that we have our arms around, that we have our hand on their shoulders. God, we love you. Be with every mom, every dad, every parent, every child. God, help us to be the people you want us to be. God, help us to overcome the challenges that we're facing at work, at home, in our finances, in our health, in our school. God, we love you and we trust you. And God, we leave our prayers in that golden bowl that's in your throne room right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, the prayer, and next week we'll talk about to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And speaking of breaking of bread, every week at Maple Grove we do communion. And communion is where we remember that Jesus, his body was broken and his blood was shed. Because God loved us and God couldn't imagine heaven without us being there. And what we do every week, it, young people, is we, we go off to the sides and, and over there there's a, a cup. And the top cup is a piece of bread. And that bread in there represents Jesus' body that was broken. And cup represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus wanted us to do this. He said, do this. When you do it, hey, remember me. Yeah, remember me when, when, when you're doing this, okay? And so we, we're going to sing a song, and this communion is open for everybody in this room, right? You know, it's not our communion, it's the Lord's communion, it's you and him. And, and, and so it's right off to the side, and, and I'm going to pray, 
and then we're going to sing a song. And after that song, we take communion. And that's also where we collect our offerings. So if you guys would stand um, and go ahead and pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. And, and right now, help us just help me <laughs> just to slow down, to breathe, and to remember. To remember your broken body. To remember your shed blood. To remember that it was broken and your blood was shed for me, for everybody in this room. That's how you demonstrated your love for us. And God, I, I pray that we just feel, Lord, Lord I, I know you are with us in a special way whenever we gather together and take communion. In Jesus' name, amen.